2: Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool, Cool, Cool Audio. Hey, amazing Ridiculous News listeners. We wanted to put this special note for y'all at the top of this episode that after this season, we're going on hiatus. We have had such a blast creating this show for y'all. It has been one of the coolest creative experiences of our careers. And so, of course, we want to stay in touch with you all. So for updates, follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at MarkKendallComedy.com. And I'm at Whirly Bird Pictures. That's W O R L E Y. And of course, follow Ridiculous News Podcasts as well for updates. We would love to hear from y'all. Okay. So without further ado, let's get to this amazing episode. With amazing and crazy
0: topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny, off-brand, upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about Ridiculous News everywhere, we talking about Ridiculous
2: News over here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian, and I love going to the library to find a book, to study, go vote, anything. Uh, They are amazing places that mean so much to their communities, and that is why today is a deep dive episode into the wonderful world of libraries, and we are joined by our delightful special guest, David Russell. David is a librarian, bookseller, and storyteller who is uh, thankful to live in Georgia after spending 28 years in the Buffalo area, in addition to being an an experienced storytelling host. He has also performed at Naked City, Carapace, Right Club Atlanta, Titans of Talking, and Stories on the Edge of Night, Story Collider. And he was also a Moth storytelling finalist. Dude, this is the best storyteller I know, for real, no no exaggeration. Uh, he won his first storytelling award at age nine and has been addicted ever since. David, welcome to Ridiculous News. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. Like I just said, this is my first podcast. I'm honored to yeah. be with you, man. You're
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, So David, we're going to do a segment that we do with all of our guests. It's called giving them their flowers. Uh, So this is the part of the show where I'm going to give you a short compliment. The only rule is you just have to accept these flowers. So you can't like compliment me back or anything like that. So uh, David, uh, especially, you know, I was thinking about this since we're talking about libraries and the service uh, that they do for their communities. uh, You are a person that, also really serves the community it's like anytime uh i'm talking to you about your work at the library you're always talking about things that they're they're doing for the community you as a member of the theater and storytelling communities in atlanta you're always such a great audience member supporting shows me other people in the area uh you you are someone that like helps people through action in addition to like kind words and everything like you really you know walk that walk and so i really admire that about you i think you're awesome Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to move on to our next segment. So this is the News Nibbles portion of the show. So these are some quick uh, headlines that caught our eye, and they are all centered around libraries. So this first one is by Rebecca Jones uh, from BBC News. And the headline is, Stolen Charles Darwin Notebooks Left on Library Floor in Pink Gift Bag. So what happened was there were two... Uh, quote stolen notebooks written by charles darwin and they were mysteriously returned to cambridge university 22 years after they were last seen so there are these small leather bound books and these things are worth millions of pounds and it includes the scientist's uh, tree of life sketch so these notepads date back to the 1830s And they were from after Darwin had returned from the Galapagos Islands. And on one page, he drew a spindly sketch of a tree, which helped inspire his theory of evolution. And more than 20 years later, uh, would become a central theory in his groundbreaking work on the origin of species. So they were returned, these these notepads were returned to the library about 15 months after uh, the BBC first highlighted they had gone missing. Uh, and the library launched like a worldwide appeal to find them, so I thought that was pretty wild to hear
1: yeah that's that's pretty incredible. I know um when libraries like go fine free, I'm not saying that was the case here, but when they do the fine free like we did at the cab, we got so much material back, and like anytime somebody is like cleaning out like a grandparent's house and they see books, you know they have that residual Catholic guilt, and they you know return them to the <laughs> library so we've we've gotten. We've gotten a lot of material back ourselves, but that's incredible. It's like a piece of history that was finally returned and, you know, able to be seen by anyone. Um, I haven't found anything that valuable in my time <laughs> yeah. at the cab. Um, my first day, I did find a uh, huge jar of pickles in the bathroom <laughs> along with a notebook but uh no nothing <laughs> nothing related to the you know theories of evolution of Darwin, but yeah, that's incredible I love Wait, so y- I love stories like that where they're like you know books returned after like eighty six years overdue or whatnot, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's great, I love it.
2: Wait, so I want to go back to this large be- uh thing of pickles and a notepad that you found. C- can you explain a little bit more about that? That sounds kind of wild,
1: <laughs> yes, it was that was uh. <laughs> that was it. There were notebook pages in the stall. Um, and there was, uh, opened large jar of pickles, large. When I say large, I don't mean, you know, like this was like, like Costco or BJ size. This wasn't like, you know, 20 ounces of pickles or anything like that. This was like, you had to, it had some heft and it was, that was um, my first night closing the library. That's what I found.
2: Interesting. No, I uh, I just kind of, Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting because it's just like, I'm curious why you would bring them into the bathroom and then why you wouldn't also take them with you if right. it was so many of them, you right. know? Yeah, so, I mean,
1: people eat in our bathrooms a lot, but um, yeah. not not that. So yeah, it right. was, you know, not as exciting as Darwin, but uh, that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing I remember finding uh, as a
2: librarian yeah well i mean that is that is certainly memorable, you know um so 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 what's interesting about these notepads that got returned uh, at the time of this article being written, they still don't know who you know returned them uh, so the person that returned them uh left them anonymously in a bright pink gift bag uh containing the notepads and uh yeah, and on it was uh an envelope that had a message on it saying. Librarian, happy Easter X. So yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the beauty of library drop boxes. You know, you can be anonymous. You can
1: put in put in anything you want, and you know, or Mm -hmm. you know, libraries in general, but especially those drop boxes, you know, we found Mm -hmm. bathing suits, we found a whole bunch of things in our drop boxes. So uh yeah, that that is the beauty of uh the library, the anonymity.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, moving on from some Darwin notepads. Uh this story comes from the Washington Post uh by Kelly B. Gormley. And this headline is an eight-year-old slid his handwritten book onto a library shelf. It now has a years long wait list. Have you heard about this yeah. uh, book, David? Yeah, sure.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I loved that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Dylan Helbig, uh, at the time of the article was a second grader, uh, living in Idaho, and they wrote about a Christmas adventure on the pages of a red covered notebook and they illustrated it with colored pencils. So they finished this book in mid-December and they're like, hey, I want to share this with other people. And so they <laughs> went into the library, you know, uh, in the Ada Community Library, more specifically, which is the Lake Hazel Branch in Boise. And so they went to the library with their grandmother and they had this 81 page book, walked inside. And so then they just put it on the children's picture book sell- shelf, and no one saw him do it. And <laughs> Dylan was quoted as saying, It was naughty ish. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then when they asked him about the result, he said, It is pretty cool. And so this book is titled The Adventures of Dylan Helbig's Christmas, signed by Dylan himself. Uh, so library staff, they found this book. They're like, Yo, this is pretty good. I mean, we found it in an unconventional way, but this book is solid. And so they asked for permission uh, to, like, hey, can we add this to our library? So the book got a barcode uh, and formally added it to the library collection. And so now it's part of their graphic novel section for kids, teens, and adults. And they also gave Dylan its first Houdini Award for Best Young Novelist, which is a category the library created for him, uh, named after the library's owl mascot.
1: That's incredible.
2: I I love that. I love
1: what I love about that is, I mean, it really shows the sense of like community, you know, in libraries and the sense you can kind of go in and, you know, with your do-it-yourself type spirit and Mm -hmm. it, it shows that the library staff like can recognize that and care as opposed to saying, what is this? Let's just throw it out. They're like, no, this is pretty awesome. Let's find a way. Let's find a way to get to yes. Let's find a way to make this work. And make this, you know, this book part of our collection, this, you know, this kid feel part of our community. I mean, we, we share the fact that we won our first award from a library, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid. I did my storytelling award. He did his Houdini award. So me and Dylan, we, we share something in common there. But mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, that you can you can write a book completely bypass the publishing process. Right. And, you yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> the, the buying process. And, you know, just put it on a shelf and have that work out. I mean, there's a lot of stories about people like kind of doing that and, you know, from class to class and like college libraries, which are massive. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love that story so much. And I'm glad that it's just another example of libraries like embracing the unexpected and running with it in the right way, as opposed to like, you know, being a rule follower. No, this isn't you didn't, you know, fill out an application. You didn't want, you know. They just did it the right way. So that's that's what I love about that. Just him feeling comfortable enough to do it and go for it. And the library making it work for him and going the extra mile to give him an award and whatnot. It reminds me of that story I heard that um, Abby Jacobson from Broad City. Mm-hmm. She used to sneak her art into the Mac, like the gift oh, shop. Just cool. to like, get it out there. Yeah. And, that's know, awesome. Just, yeah. It's just kind of, you know, the same thing. People do what they can to get, you know, their art to the world. And he chose the library and the librarians helped him out and made it happen. That's why I love that story so much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I remember, you know, being uh, a younger kid and for school, writing and illustrating these books. And I remember being super proud of those. I mean, like, you're like, this is a book I wrote. This is my story, you know, so I totally get. This kid being like, yo, this this book here is a masterwork, and people need to read it. And so I'm glad that
0: and the library agreed. was
2: able to affirm that. Yeah, yeah you know? people
1: agreed. And yeah. Uh, yeah, what was your first book?
2: You know, I don't remember the first one, but I do remember writing this book, and I drew pencils on the cover. You know, so I have a, I have a memory of that. And so I guess it was maybe a story about some pencils. Do, do you remember your? Yes. Yeah, what was I what, what I would, I'd love to hear what was, what, what was it?
0: Yeah.
1: First grade. Uh, yeah. It's it called Ninkum Poop Nintendo. <laughs> About like a sentient Nintendo that would like follow kids around and like just like talk to them. I love that. Yeah.
2: Th- that's awesome.
1: Great title. It was all downhill from there. It was a great title.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. With amazing and crazy topics for picking
2: and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all. So we're back uh, with our deep dive episode talking about libraries. I'm with David Russell, uh, who is an amazing librarian himself. So I'm so happy to have such an expert with us here today. And so, David, what I wanted to talk to you about was just kind of like the breadth of what libraries do and how much they really do mean to communities. Because, you know, if it's been a while since you've been to the library, you might be like, oh yeah, libraries, great. You can go there, you can study, you know, you can get a book or two. Um, But, you know, from knowing you over the years, I've learned libraries do so much. And so I kind of want to start off just kind of broadly speaking, you know, you as a librarian, can you speak to just some of the things that libraries do for people that you may not necessarily know if you haven't been to a library in a minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people still think that libraries are just books, you know, tell people I'm a librarian, they're like, oh, are they still around, you know, are they antiquated? People must read on their computers now. And what what people don't realize is there's still like a digital divide in this country. And there's so many people that don't even have access to a computer and they go to libraries for computer use. I mean, our computers are filled every day. And, you know, these people don't have internet on their cell phones if they have a cell phone and they don't have computers and, you know, they are completely dependent on the library. And it's so important for social services because now everything they need, social security, food stamps, everything is an online application. So, you know, they come to the library and we have to, you know, we help them one by one go through this process or we'll, you know, we do programs with community organizations that, you know, can go in our meeting room and help them with the process. But it's a lot of just one-on-one with people that, you know, need the technology help and we are able to, to give that to them. And that's just, I mean, they're, they're in there open to close. And uh, another, another big thing that libraries do uh, is we really help our patrons experiencing homelessness Because if you think about it, a library is one of the only places you can go from open to close where you're not pressured into buying anything. You can just, you know, you can Mm -hmm. find your corner, you can be where you need to be, you can use the computer, you can read anything you want, and you don't have to pay a penny to do it. So that, I mean, for them, the libraries are an absolute lifeline. That's why... On days like this where it's getting cold, you know, we tell them about all the shelters that are open and, you you know, we just make sure and they look out for each other and our patrons look out for them. So, again, libraries are just a huge resource for the homeless in terms of, you know, finding them help and just giving them shelter. And then... We do a uh, a library of things where you can check out more than way more than books. You can check out the internet. We have hotspots, so you can take the internet home with you, and you can check a out a laptop with the internet. So you don't have to come to the library every day. And that was huge during the pandemic to get the internet mm-hmm. to kids that had to do school online. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was huge and still is. We have more hotspots than anybody else in the state to we're over 200 hotspots that are checked out on a constant basis, along with laptops. Um, we also, we check out, um, we're about to start checking out soccer balls. I just partnered with soccer in the street. So we're checking out things to make sure kids are active in the libraries and outside the libraries. And we, uh, yeah, so it's just, a lot of finding ways to get the community to realize that libraries aren't just books. We, have, uh, we had a seed library that we checked out seeds for people wanting to start gardening. And oh, wow. We have uh, steam kits. So if you wanted to be into you know, a, a science and technology kit where you could mm-hmm. you know, do anything with that. I also did a program where you can come to the library and record an oral history with a relative or friend, sort of oh, like StoryCorps, but you can do that just at the library, with a library card. And I started the tie library, so you can check out ties. If you have a job interview, you know, if you're getting married, whatever, you need a tie, you don't have that type of income. You know, you don't even need a library card. You can just go ask for a tie. So, what everything I do, you know, between programming is just trying to get people to find ways to come to the library and realize we're so much more than just books. So, that's... That's basically the breadth of what, we, uh, what we're doing over at, over at the library.
2: I love that. That's so cool. And that's so much. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's really amazing. And, and thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, I also pulled this article. Uh, our amazing researcher, Casey, broke down this article called 25 Amazing Facts About Libraries for Mental Floss. Uh, and it had a lot of the similar services, David, that you were mentioning. So, for example, you know, New York's public library has a thing where members can borrow accessories like neckties and briefcases, you know, uh, like to go on a job interview, much like you were talking about, you know, people being able to get ties. Um, Or like uh, in Alaska, apparently, they have a taxidermy collection at one of their libraries. And so patrons of the Alaska Resources Library and Information Services in Anchorage can borrow from their collection of taxidermy items, including animals, bones, and furs. Bear and wolf fur are among the most popular requests because they're often used in Boy Scout promotional ceremonies. Harry Potter fans opt for snowy owl mounts. Borrowers are asked not to remove specimens from their glass containers, but I thought that was like, you can get taxiderm. you know? Uh, the article also mentions uh, there's a Yale University library uh, that used to allow stressed-out students to borrow uh, a therapy dog. So the... Lillian Goldman Law Library at Yale University used to allow patrons to check out General Montgomery, a.k.a. Monty, a Border Terrier mix and certified therapy dog, for 30 minutes of companionship. Um, Morty passed away, unfortunately, so that's, that's why they no longer do that. But at one point, you had mentioned, you, you said, and let me know if I'm messing up the wording, but you said like a library of things as opposed to Yeah,
1: that's what they call books. It. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I had never heard that phrase before, but it makes so much sense in terms of getting at what you were talking about in terms of just like the breadth of what libraries can offer.
1: Yeah, we do this. Uh, we also do this program. Uh, I mean, we do programs with therapy dogs as well, where kids can read to them where Ooh. kids, you know, maybe struggling with reading can go in mm-hmm. and read to a therapy dog. Who, you know, it's like a judgment free zone uh, type of thing. And that's so cool. I also run this uh, warm up to cab where the Atlanta knitting society and other groups and, you know, people just brought in hats, gloves, scarves. And, um, we work with an organization called a home for everyone in the cab and we, you know, anybody that needs anything can just take it, you know, either from the library or through a home for everyone in the cab. And, you know, they also provide shelter during the cold weather. So yeah, that's, that's another, another way we're helping people outside of just, you know, sending them home with books or sending them home with stuff that they can really, you know, that'll keep them warm. Mm-hmm. Another, um, when you were surprised that, you know, you could check out a dog, which is brilliant. I love that. I know yeah. um, other libraries during like finals weeks mm-hmm. or, you know, like when the semester is stressful, they they literally set up like soundproof screaming rooms in the library. Really? Yeah, where you can just like scream in, that you know, makes- in the library. And yeah, so that made me think of that. But also it made me think of another um another thing we've done four or five times called the human library mm-hmm. where you can check out a person and like have a conversation with them mm. so like people from all walks of life people who are you know hiv positive people who are you know other races other religions you know somebody who identifies as wiccan somebody who may be trans and you can like somebody you may you know not really have ever had an honest conversation with and you can talk to these people you know in 15 minutes twenty minutes, thirty minutes, whatever. And it's you know, so you're checking out a person and having like an honest conversation. And we've done one that was just themed around like, you know, social justice and Mm -hmm. one of the one of the people who'd been in prison, like wrongfully convicted for 30 years and like out of prison. You should like talk to him and like so yeah, that's just like another way, like, you know, a library can host an event like that and really have a true impact on a community. So we've we've done that a few times and we're looking to do it again soon.
2: That's that's really incredible. That's really incredible. Yeah, in in fostering conversations between people. Exactly. You know, that 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 seems like very powerful, you know, making connections for people, kind of like creating community, you, you know. And you know, soundproofing those rooms so you can let out a screen that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you, uh I don't know if your school did this David, but at my college it was either like the the week before finals week or like a couple weeks before. Uh, at a certain day, at a certain time, each quarter, there was like what's called a primal scream. So like <laughs> at 9 p.m., everyone on campus at the same time would just like scream if you wanted to. And so like each quarter, like around final season, there was a particular day where depending on you were sta- where you were standing on campus, you would just hear these shrieks <laughs> and like it, it got very normal over time. But, but yeah, I think that that's, I think it's healthy to be like, yeah, you, you know, you're it's a stressful time. Let it out. You know,
1: for us, it was like, it wasn't like a state, you know, a school sh- sanctioned thing. But, uh, we, I went to a school that was right on Lake Ontario. And like every year at the end of the semester, we would do like, like we would jump in the lake, no matter if it was like December. And it was like, Oh, wow. And yeah. Just to like, <laughs> to let everything out and just, yeah. just you know, cleanse of the semester and uh yeah we didn't do that now but um right right yeah. right yeah, yeah that was uh that that's that's what we did that was our thing we didn't we
2: didn't scream <laughs> yeah yeah jumping in that cold lake that just kind of rem- makes me think of purple rain and uh like yeah. talk that's what comes to mind <laughs> me i don't know i know it's not the same thing at all but that yeah, was that's, that's the moment that came. yeah
0: yeah We'll be right back with more Ridiculous News after this short break.
2: Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with 5 Good Things a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree.
0: Uh, uh, don't get it confused you are now tuned in to ridiculous
2: news all right y'all so we're back uh with the amazing david russell talking about libraries so david we were just talking about all the amazing things that libraries do to foster community and then also take care of that community being a library of things in addition to just being a place to go get books as great as books are and you know i just kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about what what got you on this path? You know, like I, I know that you're a brilliant storyteller, brilliant writer. You love books, but uh, I'm just kind of curious, like how you how you found li- libraries and decided, like, yo, this is this is where I want to be.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't immediate. Um, mm-hmm. My undergrad was in broadcasting and English writing arts. Um, so I, I went to Oswego State, right outside of Syracuse, and uh, did play by play for like hockey. And Uh basketball, and it was fun. It was great, like especially because like the hockey team, it was D three, so they didn't have like the regulations of D one. So you have like twenty five year old freshmen that just want to like, wow. Have you ever seen? If you ever seen Slap Shot, the movie Slap Shot, it's like exactly like that. You know, it's just people hitting you after the whistle, and it's just you know, it's like this total. It's just chaos. But, oh, my gosh. And it was great, but... Yeah. Um, and then i it's also where I fell in love with, you know, creative writing. Um, yeah. Which eventually led me to storytelling, but it wasn't... Like, libraries wasn't my initial path right after. I had, like, a bunch of other jobs. I worked in publishing for a while. And when I worked in publishing, I realized one of the highlights of my job was, like, organizing the library at the publishing house. And, like, I loved doing it. And... You know, everybody else was staying there. I wasn't able to get promoted anytime soon. So uh, the University of Buffalo, like literally right down the street from the publishing house, had a library school. Okay. And I was like, and somebody else at the publishing house had just graduated. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a try. And that, that's what I did. And I fell yeah. in love with it. And, you know, the, prop, the program was relatively short. I did the whole thing from summer to summer in like one year. So, and Oh, wow. After that, it snowed in May on my graduation day, and I was like, "My body is not meant to be in Buffalo <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I started looking for jobs much further south, and sure. uh, that's that's how I ended up in uh, in Georgia.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's such a great story. And you know, now that you've been in libraries for a while, you know, what's the most rewarding part of it for you? either day to day or overall, like, like what's the most rewarding part of working in libraries for you?
1: I think the most rewarding part is it's it's a job where you can like, you can help people on a daily basis in like a multitude of different ways. It's not just like a one, one thing you're helping everybody with. You, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And any day, like one time at a library system I worked at, we did tech help for seniors And this guy said, you know, why is my cell phone beeping? And, like, Uh we couldn't figure out why his cell phone was beeping because it wasn't beeping. You know, we couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And it turned out. so it was was not beeping? It It was not not beeping, but he said it was beeping. Okay. So, it was very, it was perplexing. Right. We realized it was his hearing aid was low battery. Oh, my goodness. So, he was hearing his hearing aid thinking it was a cell phone. Yeah. So it's stuff like that where you're just like, you're helping people in so many different ways or, you know, other times it's just as much as, you know, you read a kid a story while his mom applies for unemployment benefits or housing yeah. or something like that. And, yeah. you know, you've affected her in that way. And it's just something you do without even thinking about it. But to the people that use libraries, it could be like a literal, you know, a literal lifesaver. So I, I think what I love about my job is just, you never know what's going to come through the door. It's kind of like medicine, I guess, in that way, or the yeah. ER. But you just never know. You know what somebody's going to need on a daily basis. So being able to help people in any way is really what I love the most about the job. And then just finding ways to get people in the building think outside the box. Like one of my friends, Kaylin. We had a program with her where she took free family portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've done it with Annalise as well at, at Chambly, mm-hmm. but then uh, Kaylin kind of took it over at mm-hmm. Wesley, and uh, she helped like thirty five families, and she did free oh family gosh. portraits of all yeah. of them that they turned into Christmas cards. You know that that's just one less expense they mm-hmm. you know they need for the uh, you know for the Christmas season. So. Just finding ways to help people and mm-hmm. finding ways to get them in the library and, you know, help them with things that they might not even realize they needed help with. And yeah, absolutely that's what I love about my job.
2: That's really cool. So, you know, because you don't know what, what you're gonna run into on any particular day, you're dealing with a wide array of people. Uh, what, you know, what skills kind of are most important with that or like what what do you need to keep at the forefront of your mind when, you know, you're 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 dealing with so many different variables each day.
0: Yeah.
1: um, Just staying calm, you know, and like nobody has the answer to everything, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. like who on your staff is knowledgeable about certain things that you may not be knowledgeable about knowing that you can always pull somebody in uh, to help that person out instead of just saying, no, I don't know. Just find a Mm -hmm. way to get them the information they need or find a way to get them to somebody that would have that information. So I think, yeah, that's the main thing is just being prepared and up to date on, you know, everything the state offers in terms of services. Um, We had whole seminars on 988, the new mental health Mm -hmm. initiative and that sort of thing. So just continuing to, you know, take webinars, be up to date. Uh, We have, you know, the webinar type things where we just kind of refresh our skills and reference or management or you know what other libraries are doing for programming and uh yeah just that's kind of really really it just staying calm being up to date knowing you're not going to know everything without looking it up and you know that's totally fine with everyone you know you can look it up you can google it honestly like right it's okay like you know librarians aren't gonna not use google and you know you just have to use your librarian skills to understand that you're going to a reputable site, you know, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not going to the first targeted ad above the reputable sites. Mm-hmm. So as long as you do that, you know, and use your context, you can, you can be okay and find the information
2: they need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, spe- speaking of, you know, these questions that people come to you with at the library each day, has there been a particular question that was like, especially memorable to you or just like, I will not soon forget that that question or or request, so many, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I know like your your social media is awesome because you will sometimes share, you know, certain instances or or right. exchanges, and they're all really, really cool. but but i'm I'm just kind of curious if there's one that maybe i mean s- sticks out to you a little bit.
1: It's all over the map. There was a guy at another library system I worked at that um, he just like had this belief that we had Robert De Niro's fax number and that we could fax (laughs) Robert De Niro his screenplay that he'd written. That is awesome. He just wouldn't take no for an answer. He came in like every day. Yeah. Asking. And then, I mean, there was a woman who would tweet at Ving Rhames every day to tell Uh him that he's sexy. And she would (laughs) make sure that she had the right account every day for weeks on end. and. You know, it's, it's stuff <laughs> like that, but then there's stuff where, like, I mean, I remember years ago, I was, like, it was right before my Fabergia show, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let me just get out of here. Yeah. But then, like, the last person in the day, uh, like, had, like, a cancer diagnosis. He was a veteran, oh and the VA was telling him that, like, was sending his checks to an address that, like, he didn't live at anymore. Oh, no. So we had to like, you know, we went and we had to prove to the VA that this house was demolished and this wasn't his address. And we got that oh, straightened yeah. out and then he came back and like, you know, he, he bought a, you know, he said, you know, it all worked out. So it's just, oh, okay. you never know what you're going to get. And it's just memorable that like, you know, you really can help. It's a job where you really can change people's lives and help them. And that's what I, what I'll always remember and like love about that.
2: I love it. That's great. Um, that 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 that's that's really cool
1: even the tie library i mean the tie library came about yeah. for us because we were i was helping people like you know with that type of reference question like how do you tie a tie yeah like that was the question i would get with people going to the courthouse people going you know wherever mm-hmm. and i would get that question a lot and i was like well how can we how can we take this to the next level so i would mm-hmm. be giving them ties you know myself and i was like well we might as well just do this as an official program so just a lot of what we do is like not only answering questions, but then using that as a jumping board to see how we can help more people that might have this question. I love it. I love it. I know because, you know, as I appreciate you for doing programming at the library, what did you see at the library? Did you, were you surprised by anything you saw when you did programming at the library or like, were you surprised by? Uh,
2: Yeah. So um, I, I, I didn't really know that library had such extensive programming until I showed up to do some of the programming, you know? So, so you right. were kind enough to bring me by to do an improv class once. I didn't know you could necessarily do an improv class at a library or, you know, we've done comedy shows at the library. I didn't know libraries necessarily, like, hosted comedy shows like that. And so that, that was honestly what I was most surprised by. And then from that, you know, I just kind of hear more and more about what you were doing there. But that was kind of like the starting point of learning, like, oh, wow. And that was that,
1: that. Actually, when you when you did your show, that was like the first mm-hmm. one of my first programs for the system, and it actually had a really big effect on me and like a lot of people in the class. Because remember that that woman who said like she had a stroke and like mm-hmm. she was trying to use improv to just be a little faster, like responding to people. So it's just like you know she got to take this free class at the library with you know this brilliant teacher, and uh, it, it's just. You know, she, she loved it and, you know, she, she came to so many other programs. But uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just another way that libraries help people without even really, you know, thinking about it.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I, I love, I'm so glad that she uh, continued to engage with the library. That's so fun. That's great. So we're going to move on to our uh, final segment for today's episode. It's called The Spring of Inspiring Inspirations. So this is where we share an inspirational quote uh, to end things on a positive note. This one comes from Albert Einstein. And the quote is, the only thing you absolutely have to know is the location of the library. Uh, I thought that was a fun quote. I thought it was on theme. And David, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, to talk about libraries. Uh, I can't wait to go to one again soon. And uh, for the folks listening, uh, what's the best way for them to follow you or stay in touch with you or support you or anything else that you would like to plug Uh, before we depart um just you know
1: the best thing they can do is go to their local library whatever their library is get get a library card you know it it, is even it's been 20 years just get get a new library card and uh support your library they'll they would love to see you and that's that's the best thing to do
2: well david thank you again for coming it was so awesome you're the best and thank you the listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ridiculous News. We know you have a lot of choices of what to listen to, so we say this genuinely thank you. And, you know, you can stay in touch with us, too. You can email us at RidiculousNews at iHeartMedia.com, and on Facebook and IG, follow Ridiculous News. And you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: CNN Underscored's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever.